I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. Not a fun topic we're going to address here in a moment. It deals with one of the unintended consequences of our battle against the coronavirus. It's this. We, for a time, had we had abstained from elective procedures in many of the care facilities. Many healthcare providers uh, were not offering elective procedures, and in some cases, fitting within that category of elective procedures were certain cancer screenings. Mammograms, colorectal examinations, some of those were uh, either by policy or just personal comfort or discomfort have been postponed. That's a topic which has come up on this program a number of times. Dr. Mobley, who joins me from time to time, he uh, was nervous about this early on, and now many have decided to pay attention to this and really work out the numbers. And the director of the National Cancer Institute has published an editorial piece which estimates that we will see as a result of coronavirus's impact on oncology care that uh, we may face over the next decade an increase of 10,000 deaths to cancers which were not caught during this period. Joining me on the line now to help me understand better uh, if this is a fair estimation, uh, if there are things we can do to mitigate that number moving forward, is Dr. John Ward, Interim Senior Director of Clinical Affairs and Interim Physician-in-Chief of Huntsman Cancer Institute at the University of Utah. He's also a professor of medicine at the university there. Doctor, sir, thank you so much for joining me. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much. You heard me introduce uh, this estimation, the one handed down uh, by uh, Dr. Sharpless, director of the National Cancer Institute. Uh, Does the math check out? I'm not sure if the math checks out. I think he points out that we will have to see over the course of time uh, if those numbers prove to be true. I think there are basic assumptions that have to be made in order to understand that number. I think the key thing is how long are we delaying screening? How long are we delaying treatment? How long are we uh, delaying dealing with those important diseases? And we've had a priority here to make sure that we don't delay treatment on things that require treatment. And after what was a relatively brief hiatus, screening is now taking place again. So I'm hopeful that those numbers would be the high end. I'm hoping, hopeful that they will be lower. Have you observed that the screening numbers are returning to you know some semblance of uh, the rates at which individuals were seeking screening before uh, coronavirus showed up? Yes, it appears to be that way. We initially, as did many other people, uh, restricted screening and delayed some elective procedures that were low risk and used some strategies to treat cancers until a surgery could be done. By now, we're 
pretty much full bore ahead. Our whole, the whole time, preventing, treating, and eradicating cancer has been our top priority. And we certainly recognize that cancer doesn't take a holiday during a COVID pandemic. And we've been trying to balance the needs of the cancer patients with the needs to protect our patients, many of whom are immunosuppressed because of their treatment, right. uh, by taking a, a variety of steps to do so. And I think we've been successful at that, in part due to the cooperation of our partners at the University Hospital, where patients who have active COVID infections have been hospitalized. We've been keeping Huntsman Cancer Hospital, which is part of the University of Utah, COVID-free. Outstanding. Uh, Dr. Ward, tell me this. What does it mean, uh, you know, in terms of, uh, in, obviously we'll have to speak about these things in general terms because every, you know, experience is different, but uh, to delay uh, either screening or treatment of uh, one of these cancers by three months, how severe can that be? What, what, can, what, what can the ramifications of that delay be? Probably for the most part, three months won't make a difference. Um, and I think for some cancers it may, but for the majority of people, three months won't make a difference. Still, we understand, mm. we, we preach that early diagnosis is the key to outstanding treatment. So we like people to get screened on time. We like them not to neglect needed screening. And, and yet the reality is that a couple of three months may not make a difference. Once a cancer is diagnosed, when we know of its urgency or some, whether it's something that can be delayed, we can make a decision on ways we can handle this without putting them at risk for infection or putting others at risk, but also making sure we have the best outcome possible for cancer treatment. Well, generally, that's that's very encouraging. I'm happy to hear that. Now, let me ask you about individuals who right now may be, as they look at their own, uh, you know, scheduling or their own uh, screening schedule, if they are up for, uh, you know, a certain screening for a, a cancer, this or that, but they are hesitant to enter into, uh, say, a hospital, uh, your facility specifically, uh, because they're they're not sure what's floating around in the air right now. What kind of assurances could folks uh, have to know that? First off, it's important to get that screening and that risks uh, to you are being mitigated. Uh, certainly, we think people should get their needed screening. And, and we, as are most other healthcare facilities, are taking steps to make things as safe as possible. Some people might say that we are uh, hypersensitive to this. Uh, we have limited visitor policies. We have um, ways to screen people at the doors. We take all kinds of steps to assure that our place is safe. And I, feel, I actually feel safer here in Huntsman Cancer Hospital than I do at home or at the grocery store. And partly uh, that's because of these extra these extra steps we take to assure that. As I mentioned earlier, specifically with regards to cancer, we have steps in place to assure that any cancer, that any COVID infections in cancer patients are treated at our associate, our partner hospital, part of the same system, the university hospital. We are grateful that they have worked with us to keep our, our particular hospital free of COVID. I, I will say this, uh, my, I've got this Brand new little baby, seven months old or so, and about a month ago we had to take her in to, to just get something checked out. She's fine and healthy, but as we uh, approached the facility, 
Uh, it was a university facility. Uh, my wife and I together, as we walked up, uh, were informed that, hey, you know what? I'm so sorry. Only one of you uh, is allowed in. And, uh, and so I, you know, I volunteered. I said, I'll, I'll, I'll wait in the car. And I have heard from some that that's a, a frustration and how, how dare you separate me from my child. But uh, knowing at least that my wife was able to go in there, I was plenty happy uh, to make that sacrifice and sit in the car to mitigate any risk that may be uh, present in the facility. So thank you for that policy. Or uh, if, if you could pass my thanks along, please, I'd appreciate that. I will. It's certainly been a challenge. And many times we've done uh, video visits or just today I did a visit where some Somebody, in addition to our patient, was uh, on a telephone call to make sure the questions are answered. We certainly don't want to restrict people's access to information, and certainly in times of crisis or certain situations like a terminally ill patient, we may make specific exceptions. But the overall goal is to keep our patients safe and to treat their cancer in a timely and effective way. Dr. Ward, thank you so much for your time here today. Thank you for the work that you are doing at the Institute. I am immensely grateful to you and those with whom you work. You're, you're, you're working miracles up there. Thanks again for your time. Okay, thank you very much. All righty. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, there's this question that I've been asking you to, to, to answer for me throughout the day, and it is revolving or it revolves around the question of school board elections, specifically partisan or nonpartisan. Which are you most comfortable with? Would you like uh, the school board race for the state to be a partisan thing or not? Would you like to know the candidates' party, political leanings, or not? Uh, if you have a moment, send me a voicemail. We'd love to hear what you have to say. 801-575-7668. Should state school board elections be partisan or not? Very simply, I'd like to hear your thoughts. Next up on Live Mike, I'm Lee Lonsberry. This is KSL News Radio.